Welcome to the CBIA BizCast. I'm your host, Ali Warshavsky. And today on our podcast, powered by Google, we are joined by Candice Friedenberg. She's the founder of Untapped Potential. Untapped Potential was recently named the Women-Owned Small Business of the Year by the Connecticut District of the U.S. Small Business Administration. And for a pretty great reason, Untapped Potential is designed to remove barriers for women who want to return to the workforce. Candice, this is something we've been talking about uh, for a long time now and then escalated by the pandemic. We're so happy to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. When did you decide to start Untapped Potential? We really launched in 2015 um, and went through a reset incubator in Hartford and then came to market in 2016, the last quarter of 2016. And what was your inspiration behind it? Had you gone through trouble trying to find work in the workforce or had friends struggling to get back in? Really, it, it came from a different perspective. Um, I was trying to solve another problem and I looked at this as an economic opportunity. Whenever you have stagnated talent, skilled workforce, and um, those with education and experience and are not able, able to add to the labor market, it's, it's untapped human capital, hence the name untapped potential. And uh, I was meeting with women and, and uh, just in my daily life and in the uh, sports, around sports and things of that nature, and even you know women's focus groups. And really there were people with dual degrees, uh, Cornell degrees, um, marketers that launch brand name products, and they really couldn't participate in the nine to five still industrial age economy, even though I knew, and I had worked virtually for years, I knew that we were in the information age, we were in the knowledge economy, and these com women that were in all or nothing fields, you know, the consulting fields or the banking industries, you know, first chosen out of their talent pool in college, but once they couldn't keep up the 100 hour work week that a banking community has, you know, they're out of the workforce. And many of them pivoted around their husband's careers. And from an economist, my MBA, my Boston professor, think of economists, it's like, you know, we are in a, um, in a global skill shortage, we are competing with educated talent and women are now more educated. 11 more million degrees were given to men than women from 2000, than men from 2008 to 2013. And really um, I looked at how can we capitalize on that and started studying the problem of what needs to shift in the workplace and how can we give these women stepping stones back to their caliber. And that's really um, through the incubator we studied um, many different modes and how to serve them and came up with our three prong, you know, three step process. And what is that process? Really, we provide them a network of support, industry mentors, coaches, and um, and clients really are part of our talent, our, our, our network that provides them that um, ability to start perceiving themselves in the workplace, attend a quarterly event where they're presenting themselves with their elevator pitch and their professional accolades, where they don't normally do that on the sideline of the soccer fields. They're not listing their resume and they start to disassociate from those skills and that, that, that uh, hum their, their caliber and their former credentials. And we bring that back. That's the network of support um, where we do mock interviews, speed interviews, things of that nature. And then we also talk to industry professionals, client companies and say, where can we skill them up? What is the growth fields? And we skill them up with nano degrees, short courses, seminars through partner companies um, in fields like data analytics, 
agile and scrum project management, uh, inbound marketing, you know, things if they were a marketing professional, they, but they missed the digital marketing age and they're short courses so they can acquire the jargon, acquire the, the knowledge of how things work differently today and therefore start to use that jargon, get back to their caliber. And then most critical is our um, engagement model where we engage in a flexible way um, through um, what is known now as returnships, but we started it as a mid-career internship and we call it a flex return. We've trademarked that term flex return where they can start um, you know, shaving off their responsibilities, pass things on to their spouse, their teens, their community, so that they can get to full-time work and deliver by objective versus delivering by sitting in a seat from nine to five. Yeah, and you started this before, you know, COVID hit and things became more, or you should say normalized, right, to, to be able to have this, a more of a work-life balance because you are working from home, et cetera. But in 2015, take me back to then, what did your company look like then and how has it grown to where it is now in 2022? I'm sure you've added staff, maybe um, even some different types of uh, services that you didn't offer back in 2015. For sure, we're really following part of our um, go-to-market strategy that we developed in the incubator, and we, you know, we started with um, really just matching uh, talent to opportunity, and then we created the uh, speed interview, and it was an on a live event um, on site. Uh, at uh, either client companies or co-working spaces. And um, since then, you know, kind of kickstarted by the pandemic, that particular event has gone virtual and it really is better served virtually. Um, as far as our operations, we were out of an incubator, worked in co-working spaces as well as coffee shops and meeting, meeting our talent where they are. We were in the libraries, um, coffee shops, things of that nature. And we really ask our client companies to host us, host a, um, a seminar in, you know, knowledge management or something, something where they're learning um, along with us. And um, we get to live a day in a life of working at that company, going in and things of that nature. So we, we really, um, how we've evolved is doing more of it virtually. In 2020, we actually had as many candidates as we did in 2019. However, they launched virtually and um, our um, expansion of location and expansion of products has um, kind of been on a growth plan. Um, we uh, launched in New Haven and Fairfield um, really as a testing the model of really bringing uh, our high touch model with um, our target market delivering the services. So many opt-out moms fulfill our event planning needs and our uh, business client manager roles and they get to grow their network, contribute to this mismatch of connecting businesses to talent and uh, really be that connector in that space. So we've grown in um, the those two cities and plan to take it further. We're bringing on board more event planners now that things are opening up in those regions. And uh, as far as um, the product side growing, we've always been kind of serving our candidates in a customized way. We now have a membership where it's more, more plug and play, and we plan to offer a returners tech boot camp that serves moms to really grow those tech skills with um, engagement criteria, delivering with purpose. 
So say, for example, just to paint the picture for anyone who is listening, 10 years ago, I had a kid, I was in marketing and now, you know, they're in school. I've got a lot of time. I really miss working. That is when they call you. They have their MBA, you know, they, they're just spend 10 years. Um, I don't even know what to wear in an interview at this point type of thing. They can call you. You are going to not only, you know, put them through these practice interviews or help them go to that, but also maybe recommend some courses that they could take so that their resume looks just as good as someone who might be applying from, you know, a similar skill set, but it was still in marketing. Yes. Um, really, we um, not only get them interfaced with an industry mentor that helps um, review their profile, we do the up profile a little bit differently than a resume, and it mm -hmm. removes the bias that many companies might see. Oh, she didn't work since 2010. You know, we review, we remove that first blush um, bias. And we have them work with industry mentors matched in their industry, as well as offer the courses that we know are hot just from being in this for a very few years. Our clients are open to tell us what they need skills in. And then once they come to that speed interview where they're able to meet with 20 hiring managers, they have their elevator pitch down. They've done a mock interview where we have recruiters and um, HR professionals share their time and talent to to give them actual feedback, which is really hard to get. Mm -hmm. And then also going through our 12 week flex return, it really gives them the ownership of, I own these skills, I've gotten a pat on the back, I was a team member and I delivered. And they can come to the interviews with, with uh, confidence. And also now they can go on LinkedIn and put, you know, I worked for this Fortune 10 company in mm -hmm. 2021, and I did A, B, and C, versus talking about what we value the skills that they have of doing PTO management, running a gala, things of that nature, raising $250,000, interfacing with, with professionals that are parent volunteers. We know that's all valuable, but when you only talk about that in an interview or what you did in 2010, it doesn't fly, they, it can't compete if they even get that interview. That's great. So get them something to put on their resume, a conversation starter. Now we're in a workforce crisis, really labor shortage. And you have these women coming to you looking for work. There's more work than ever. You know, have you become a pipeline for the um, companies that you were once, you know, asking, Hey, can you help us out? Do you, would you mind providing this now? Are they coming to you? Like, who do you have for us? We need to fill this role. Yes. Well, we've been fortunate to be named the small business women on small business of the year and that drew a lot of attention and not only are companies coming to us and we really say part of our pitch is we are your fastest pipeline to women in senior roles we are a uh, company that impacts gender equity in the workforce and you know these women bring five to seven years experience and i just spoke at the uh, Society of HR Management in Mohegan Sun. And what I heard there from the other presenters were how we need empathetic leadership. We need emotional intelligence. Well, women that have managed a family, navigated you know, the school system to get what they want with their kids, they have empathetic leadership. They have emotional intelligence, yet they have you know, 10 years at one of the um, Fortune 5 marketing firms, marketing agencies in New York City, and they pivoted with their husband's career. They have all those skills and also an understanding how uh, the workplace works and how infrastructure is at one to three different companies. So they bring that to the, to the market that 
new hires out of college don't bring mm -hmm. and you're not going to speed them up that curve without experience and so they have the experience to be you know women in leadership which you know there's an equity problem there and women in stem and i'm a stem person myself and i'm an advocate that women can learn stem when they're there you know in seventh grade high school college or when they're 40. so we um, try to put them with the right uh, professional uh, organizations um, our second innings is one that does free training at the libraries in those critical skills of data analytics cybersecurity that are strong matches for our demographic and we touched on this a bit, but you know, what are some of the barriers that most of the women do speak to you about that have prevented them from going into the workforce? I'm sure a lot of it is children. Um, you know, that that takes up a bunch of time, especially in um, an age where it's very expensive to send your child to school or a daycare, I should say. And then um, we had this pandemic, which then complicates things because if you do send your kid to school, the school could be shut down tomorrow because of an out COVID outbreak. So that you're, there's really no win-win if you are the child care provider. Right, right. And it is often looked to women that are the child care provider. We actually really want to encourage men to take on some of those caregiving duties and only if it if we get that to 50-50, can we get 50-50 in the workplace? And we have had men go through our program, attend our events, be, be placed through our speed interviews. But uh, really to your point of the, the idiosyncrasies, I mean, we, we fear for our children's health and we realize that that's a more important thing. And we value, even um, prior to the pandemic, we we value caregiving. We, we try to um, give our uh, demographic a pat on the back for the work that they are doing. And we call it work and it is valuable work. A capitalist society cannot exist without the caregiving in that society. And unfortunately that has kind of been pushed down in the last years, but the risks that women face during the pandemic, even career oriented women that were able to do the double duty during, you know, to that point, they viewed themselves as a career professional and they also had the super mom cape on. Mm -hmm. Well, when daycare shut down and the school system shut down, and even those that had even a flexible part-time job, you know, they could no longer rely on carpools with other families. Their kids were never, no longer going to those after-school activities. And right now we're at a point where there's uncertainty. It's not 100%, but there's still uncertainty. So it's harder for women to raise their hand and say, now is the time for me to go back to work. But we are working with them to say, you know, you can work virtually. This demographic largely did want to go into the office. They wanted to separate their home life from their work life. They wanted to be with peers and get that camaraderie and the juices flowing and, you know, put on their professional self. And um, now the fact that, uh, the world has pivoted to acknowledge some productivity and some roles can be done hybrid, some roles can be done virtually altogether. And those companies that follow those hybrid roles are going to benefit from more currency in the talent. The talent's able to engage earlier than they would if they wait till their children can, you know, babysit themselves and things of that nature. So I think those pandemic worries are still there. And even if it becomes, you know, commonplace, we know um that when someone's child gets sent home because of quarantining their classroom it's more likely the mom that's going to have to opt out than the father just because of the price difference in the money they make and companies not acknowledging that 
both should have flexibility and we need to educate our tagline is advancing business reigniting careers and we're really trying to advance business on the mindset of you're not going to overcome your number of women in senior roles unless you start balancing and acknowledge that men cannot be 120 percent on the job assuming someone's taking everything else care of everything else at home and you said um, that you also serve men too, right? If men were interested, they can they can um, go into untapped potential. Right. It's often men that have followed a similar career projectile. Maybe they didn't opt out, but they took a backseat to their spouse's career projectile. They um, did freelance work. They did work in the school system, substitute teaching. Even though they have an IT customer service role, they said, this will fit our lifestyle now. And then now I'm ready to get back in. And you asked me about the barriers and I have to share that one of the major barriers is kind of um, not only parenting and childcare, but healthcare for your children. Mm -hmm. um, I actually, it takes about the third or fourth um, meeting where we learn that often these women that are coming to us with great credentials share that their children are suffering from a couple of BAs, whether it's autism, ADD, Asperger's, um, mm -hmm. uh, anxiety, and simply allergies, a growth of allergies and being sent home again and again and again and having to work with our medical system to research and find what is the allergy they're allergic to. And all of that is brain research. It, you know, we had women that did data analytics on a certain uh, field that was impacting her daughter that no one else really knew about. And so they're doing a lot of work that has taken them out of their career path, but that doesn't mean they're not career oriented. It doesn't mean they don't have value left to add to society in the next 10, 20, or even 30 years. That's fascinating because I, you know, I, someone who has a very different career path, you know, was a reporter for 10 years. It was tough to figure out how to translate your skills. And I know a lot of uh, people in my industry feel the same way. You know, you are so used to working in one industry, you know, your, your skills are transferable, but how do you advertise that to another company? And the same thing, if you're in a niche field where you're analyzing data for a disease, like, you know, project management, you know, analyzation, but how do you, how do you prove that? And that's what you guys help with, which is, which is great. Um, you know, with, uh, with women and COVID now, you know, I know it's only been, I mean, it feels like a lifetime, but it's only been about two years. Are you seeing that impact the people coming to your business? Or do you think that's something that maybe five years down the line, you'll start to see um, more women and men being like, hey, I, I left my job during COVID. Is it too, see, too soon to see that impact? Um, we, we immediately started seeing some women come to us that left their career during COVID and they just, it was almost like the musical chairs, their project was switching and they couldn't take the next, you know, raise their hand for the next mm -hmm. high power thing. And then they had to back off. And uh, I do think in a few years, we will see more of those that took this time out and it'll be more understandable that there's a gap. Um, truly um, in the time frame when we started this, people viewed corporate American people in industry viewed moms with a gap. They were meant to be moms. They're going to be moms forever. Like they grew up with their mom. Mm -hmm. And I think now the gap is more acceptable in the vision of a mom that is the caregiver today, but can be a professional tomorrow uh, might be normalizing, which is really helpful and really has to. Um, the other thing I want to say is we've always had people that are coming out of the workforce. We don't, 
it isn't 100% that the candidates need to skill up and they've been out for many years. We've often have those that are uh, working 70 hours a week and have a three and five year old and just say, I have to get off this dual engine. And mm -hmm. they come to us and say, can you find me something that's 30 hours? Can you find me something that only has national travel? I can't do international travel or I'm, my, I'm too much at risk if I'm overseas and my daughter needs something. So, um, They've often come to us wanting to downsize their career and therefore the companies that are forward thinking and that say, I understand this, someone with, you know, uh, a degree, a master's, uh, internships at the best, um, you know, uh, uh, accounting firms and then, you know, five years doing international accounting for Accenture mm -hmm. is valuable. And I can see a role where she doesn't have to be on 90 hours a week. I'll take it, you know, and they'll take that role. So we, those ones really end up coming back to us. So it's not only those that are coming to us now, but those that we've placed and matched really well that we share their needs, they heard them, they match the needs and they get this high caliber performer. Um, and what women don't want is to feel like they're asking for favors and excuses. They don't want to sign up for a 40 hour week job and expect it's going to be 50 or 60 and feel like I can't attend that trip. I can't do this. I have to go to a doctor's appointment. They, they'd rather say I can do 30 hours and I'm going to deliver the work for 30 hours and I'm going to deliver the other things without having to negotiate each one of those asks and feel like I'm getting favors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a tough conversation to have, right? Where being like, well, I already worked my 30. I can't do this. And especially when you are committed to those those 30 hours. Um, do you see certain careers that women are most interested in returning to right now? Whether it be um, maybe you're noticing a lot of women are like, hey, like I think I would actually be good at social media marketing or so-and-so. Is there a, a, a few that are popular? I would say that um, number one, social media marketing, you might think, oh, technology shifted. These women are going to be way behind. Moms are really up and foremost into adapting new tools for their phone to navigate their kids, to manage uh, lacrosse, you know, oh, yeah. and things I mean, of that nature. The trend of like how to fold a sheet better. That's you, <laughs> got, you find that all on on the social media platform. And they know so they can imagine. for anything. They know they can learn, um, you know, any new technology like Tableau on, you know, a, a YouTube channel or something of that nature. So uh, inbound marketing, um, we have a couple books and tools and classes that we offer people. Um, you know, in the finances, it's more shifting from a big company where you used, you know, an ERP system, SAP or whatever. Now you're 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 applying to a smaller business. They're all QuickBooks. You got to get suited up in QuickBooks, things of that nature. But um, what I want to say is similar to millennials, women want to return. They opted out and we're going to do something, you know, it, it definitely had a longer payback. I'm raising my kids. It's going to, we're going to, it's going to pay us back in yeah. 30 or 40 years. We'll know whether I did a good job or not. They're not getting <laughs> paid. They're not getting an A. Um, but they are looking when they go back to work, they're, they are, they want their time to be valued mm -hmm. and they want to do something purposeful. So that brings us to a lot of nonprofits, a lot of, um, startups, women-owned businesses, and even social enterprises. Um, and it, the, as a company can communicate how their business is impacting humanity, you know, saving lives in some way or uh, 
you know, impacting in the energy system and the environment, yeah. then women can get on board and say, okay, I'm going to leave the kids. They're going to be hanging. My spouse is going to have to, um, you know, ante up in the family duties, <laughs> but at least I'm doing something important and valuable. They're not, and a lot of people come to us companies and say, I've got the perfect job. They can be the receptionist. They can meet people. They, they can open the business and close the business. I'm like, you might have that image of that's what a mom can do, but really that is time bound. It's, you have to be place and time. It's not asynchronous. You can't get the work done when you want. It's not deliverable based. And it, it's not going to justify them leaving the work that we value and they value in their family values. Yep. It's personal choice, right? Some people might, that might be the perfect job for someone who loves people, right. who wants to be out of their house, but then there's, you know, the one that needs a little bit more flexibility because their kid is in a travel soccer league and they're still young. So it's great to know that, uh, um, you know, women are, have more options and they have a resource like you to um, tap into, you know, yes. well, tap thank you for their potential. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This was really interesting to learn of the services you provided and also just what you're seeing with women in Connecticut right now. Yeah. And um, it's, it's a fruitful ground to make those marriages. And what we say is we really provide kind of a high touch human intelligence to figure out where they fit. And I want to make sure folks know they can go to you, the letter U, potential.org. Absolutely. We'll check out youpotential.org. And thank you for listening to this week's BizCast. You can listen and subscribe to our podcast on Apple, YouTube, or SoundCloud. And for more episodes, you can head on over to cbia.com.